Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Hello and welcome to the Eurotrip. As you probably know by now, our coverage of Eurovision 2021 is brought to you by the brilliant Queer Brewing Project and Cloudwater Soda. Queer Brewing is, of course, a queer owned brewery looking to support and raise awareness for the LGBTQ community, all doing so while raising money for relevant charities. So how can you support Queer Brewing, Cloudwater Soda and the podcast? Well, you can head to thequeerbrewingproject.com and use our code EUROTRIP, that's all one word, EUROTRIP, for 10% off Queer Brewing's merch and beers, as well as Cloudwater Soda's delicious alcohol-free drinks. And that code is valid until July the 31st, 2021. Hosted by Rob Lilly and James Rowe and brought to you by Cloudwater Soda and Queer Brewing. This is the Eurotrip, almost live from Rotterdam. It's the day after the night before, and as Eurovision fans probably know by now, it has been an eventful Wednesday in the world of Eurovision 2021, and we are here with another edition of Almost Live from Rotterdam to bring you the very latest... What a roller coaster ride it's been since we've last been with you. We were there on Tuesday, yesterday, previewing everything that was going to be happening in the very first semi final. And first of all, what a show we had last night. Yes, we have to praise the Dutch broadcaster because they have done a tremendous job. It was fantastic. 
you will have heard many people say this already, fantastic to see a crowd in the Ahoy last night, just to hear the cheer go up when the Root took to the stage for the very first song last night was absolutely fantastic. It was a slick show. It was a pacey show. They don't like hanging around, do they, those Dutch? They knew what they were doing. They just wanted to show us as much as possible and all of it was absolutely sublime. So shortly we'll be joined by the boys from Aussie Vision again to review what happened last night. We'll also be talking to a fan who was inside the arena. Of course, we were watching on TV, but there were 3,500 lucky fans inside the Ahoy watching all of the action. So we'll be catching up with one of them to find out what it was like there incredibly jealous of anyone that has been to the Ahoy so far this week and has had the opportunity to see any of those performances live. Uh, Coming up as well, of course, we will begin looking ahead to semi-final number two because that is tomorrow. Of course, we'll be back with our preview of semi two tomorrow in your podcast feeds. It'll be there by the time you wake up. But to begin building up, we'll be hearing from the Austrian entry for this year's Eurovision, Vincent Bueno. And we'll get another Eurovision memory from a man who will appear on your screens on Saturday night, giving up the points for Lithuania. It'll be Andreas Mamantovas. So we've got all that and more still to come here on the Eurotrip, almost live from Rotterdam. Tweet us or find us on Instagram. We're at Eurotrip Podcast. We're halfway there. It's the Wednesday of Eurovision Week. It is brilliant to have you along with us. Thank you for all of your brilliant comments so far. Thank you to anyone who has tweeted us at Eurotrip Podcast. Anyone who has liked anything we've popped on Instagram, that's also at Eurotrip Podcast. And also anyone that's dropped us an email, hello at eurotrippodcast.com. But we have to start today, of course, with the heartbreaking news, James, that Iceland will not be performing live either tomorrow in the second semi-final or if they get through in Saturday's grand final. Yeah, very, very sad news, wasn't it? We um, we all got an email pop into our inbox from the EBU on, well, earlier this afternoon, actually, it was around lunchtime, um, saying that following a positive test for COVID-19 amongst the Icelandic delegation on Sunday, the whole team has been in quarantine and undergone PCR testing. Today, a member of the Icelandic group Daddy and Gagna Magnet also tested positive for COVID-19. In close collaboration with the EBU, Daddy and Gagna Magnet have taken a difficult decision to withdraw from performing in this year's live shows. What a sad situation that is. Of all of the acts, we were saying this, weren't we, just before we started recording this episode, of all of the acts, and you don't want it to happen to anybody because they've been on such a journey, But of all of the acts for this to happen to, it's just so sad that it is Iceland, given everything that we know about Daddy and Gagna Magnid and their journey with Eurovision over the last couple of years or so, they probably would have won Eurovision 2020. Now they can't perform live at the Ahoy. But that said, me and James are recording at the same time as the dress rehearsal is currently taking place for the second semi-final, which Iceland are taking part in, of course. And we watched the clip that will be used, of course, in the live show tomorrow night. It's from their second rehearsal. You wouldn't know. Honestly, if it was going to happen to anyone, Daddy and Gagna Magnet have been so slick in rehearsals all week, ever since they arrived in Rotterdam. So you will not notice the difference. They will do themselves very, very proud in the show tomorrow and also hopefully on Saturday. But let's just hear a clip from Johan from Gagna Magnet 
Now, he is the one that unfortunately has contracted coronavirus. The band keen to stress how careful they've been, of course, as many of the artists have been this year. They know that they have to stick to the EBU's COVID protocols. But this was him speaking on the Gagna Magnet Instagram story just a few hours ago. Hi. Um, I guess you've heard by now that one member of Gagna Magnet has been diagnosed with COVID. Um, yes, I just want to let you know that that member is me. Um, I'm pretty shocked and disappointed and um, generally just very sad <clears throat> about the whole situation. Um, but uh, yeah. <sighs> but you know, I want to, want to let you know that uh, I'm healthy. It's good, and yeah, mm. uh, sorry. Rob, I don't know about you, but that was such a struggle to listen to again. We saw it on the Instagram a few hours ago when they posted it. And you can just tell how emotional he is knowing that the group won't be performing live at Eurovision this year. It's been such a roller coaster for them this week because, of course, there was the the positive test for somebody in the Icelandic delegation earlier on in the week. And then the news that all of their tests had come back negative. So they would be performing on Thursday. And now the the final news that they won't be performing live either tomorrow or on Saturday if they get through. So it must just be so hard for them because this, of course, is a journey that they've been on for so long as many of the 2020 artists that have come back this year have been, of course. So it is devastating. But I don't want to say it could work in their favour, but I think the community of Eurovision fans, at least, have taken Daddy and Gagna Magnid into their hearts, really. They can see what it means to them. And they will want nothing but to see that group do incredibly well in the rest of the competition. And you say the Eurovision community, but I think it's just the wider public who watched the contest as well, because we saw what Daddy did last year with Think About Things. It became a global success, didn't it? And his song this year is starting to ripple through a little bit more. More and more people are aware that he's back and the group is back. So if this news of the positive test and the fact that then not going to be performing live reaches the more casual viewer as well it may actually be a blessing in disguise in a in a really strange way yeah absolutely well one thing we really wanted to do on the podcast today we wanted to bring you reaction as soon as we could really so we put out the feelers and while we couldn't speak to anybody actually in Iceland I hope that we are bringing you the next best thing now you may be aware that there is going to be a new Eurovision exhibition in Iceland opening hopefully, this summer. It's called the Husavik Eurovision Exhibition. And as you guessed it, it is going to be based in the town that became the setting for the Eurovision Story of Fire Saga film. So all very exciting. Anyway, we have managed to have a chat to Rachel. Now, she is part of the team behind that Eurovision exhibition. She works closely every single day with her colleagues in Iceland who are doing what they can to make that exhibition happen and to get it off the ground. So I thought I'd give her a call and I'd start by asking her that question. How are your colleagues in Iceland and how are you feeling about the news? Yeah, so I mean, it's absolutely devastating. I mean, even before I was working on this project, 
Iceland were the ones I fancied for 2020. And of course, that song was so massive. But um, but speaking to the team back in Iceland today, like, yeah, it's just been such a long road for, for this act. And, you know, they've got such good Eurovision heritage um, as well. So it's absolutely gutting. I mean, I'm sure it'd be gutting for, for anybody in that situation to have waited two years and then to be in this situation. Um, I mean, it's a great song. I still hope it's going to do well, but unfortunately, I think that probably means we won't see them win. I imagine. I think that did it did have an impact on Australia. I think so. I think that's probably it will have hurt their chances. But I mean, they're they're a great group, and I'm sure we'll see them back again. And when it comes to the reaction in Iceland, of course, you're not in Iceland, but you, you've chatted to a few people there. You know, it 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 meant a lot to Iceland that they really had a chance this year. And, you know, who knows, maybe they still do. But, you know, the whole country almost have, have got behind Daddy and Gagna Magnid. Yeah, and I think, if anything, they're only going to be more behind them now. I think, you know, they've had, it, it would have been such a, if you sort of look at the road not taken, I think for um, Iceland to have won last year, which they probably would have done, for it to be in hosted in Iceland this year with the museum opening up and with the Oscars and all the buzz around the film would have just been a perfect, perfect occurrence. So it's, it's so sad that that hasn't happened. And then for this further disappointment, it is really, really gutting. But fingers crossed, as we say, that they'll get through tomorrow night on Thursday, which I'm sure they will, and they will do really well in the final on Saturday. I'm sure they will. They've, they've got such a, they've had such a great presence in this competition. They've got such personality. And I think people have really warmed to them. So I think... I think people will forgive them not being there. And it had it, it almost had to happen to one act, I think, this year. It was it was bound to happen to somebody. So that's Rachel Mackay. Should say as well, she's a listener to the podcast. So Rachel, if you listen to this, thank you very much for tuning in and thank you for, for being here for every episode you've managed to catch so far. Uh, but while I had Rachel on, of course, we reflected there on the news that Daddy and Gagna Magnid wouldn't be in the semi-final tomorrow. But... She is part of that very exciting Eurovision exhibition that I mentioned earlier on. So I thought I'd ask her a little bit more about that as well. Yeah, so I am, I'm in London, but I'm working remotely on the project to open a new uh, Eurovision exhibition in Husavik, which is obviously where the Eurovision film was, was filmed. Um, and so it's a project that to open an exhibition in sort of mid-July this year, I think, is the opening date. And it's going to have three different sections. So one is focused on the, the Icelandic uh, song contest, which, as you know, is absolutely huge in Iceland. Uh, another one on the film. And there's loads of um, costumes and props and things that we've got from Netflix. And then the main section on the contest itself. So it's going to be um, amazing. It's going to be an absolute must visit for anybody, I think, that's into Eurovision. I, I can't wait to go. <laughs> That sounds fantastic. Maybe Daddy and Gagna Magnid's outfits if they win this year. Yes. And in fact, if anybody has any good ideas for anything we should put on display, they should get in touch. We're on Twitter at uh, Eurohusovic and uh, I'll be live tweeting for us uh, on Thursday and Saturday. But if people have things that they want to see in that museum or um, ideas about what they want to see in there, then please get in touch. That would be great. So very exciting to be having this special Eurovision experience coming later on in the summer and nice to be able to chat a little bit more about it there. But also, of course, we've got to say that we send our best wishes to Johan from Gagna Magnet and the other Icelandic delegation member who's tested positive for COVID-19. We wish them very well. And of course, we keep our fingers crossed and we wish the rest of the group all the luck in the world for their performance on Thursday night's semi-final. You're listening to the Euro Trip. Almost live from Rotterdam.
So on then, with the rest of the show, we will be previewing semi-final two, of course, a little bit later on with one of the artists taking part. And also, don't forget, we'll be here as soon as you wake up tomorrow with our semi-final two preview podcast, joined by a couple of special guests, as ever for that one, and another of the artists from that semi-final in a not-heard-before interview that James did the other day. However, We are going to reflect on everything that we saw last night right now because we mentioned it at the top of the show. An incredible opening to Eurovision Week from our hosts in the Netherlands. Did your favourite get through? Did your favourite not get through? James, did your favourite get through? Never mind about my favourite, Rob. I want to look at our predictions from last night because we put a tweet out last night just before the semi-final started with both my predictions of who would qualify and yours. There was a couple of differences here and there, but I am very happy to say that I got 9 out of 10 correct. Well done, sir. I hadn't even had a look to see how we'd got on. So you got 9 out of 10. I'm just looking at mine now. I feel like I was less successful. I believe I got 7. I wrongly stated that Australia, Croatia and Romania would make it through to the grand final. Uh, You, though, well done. 9 out of 10. So that gives you a two-point lead, which is a pretty Pretty strong lead going into our predictions for, for the second semi-final, which will pop on social media tomorrow. Yeah, so you've got a lot of points to claw back. Uh, if you're listening as well and you want to get in touch with your predictions as well, you're more than welcome to. We are at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter. But back to last night. Again, we keep saying we're going to review last night. We are going to do it and we're going to do it right now with the help of a couple of special guests a couple of guests we've heard from on the podcast before, and we always love to chat to them. It's Mike and Dale from Aussie Vision. Of course, it was a big night for Australia last night. In many ways, Montaigne, not in Rotterdam. It was her live on tape performance that we saw during the show yesterday. And Australia's 100% qualification record is over. Australia not making it through to the grand final. Before we hear from Mike and Dale, I feel like we should run through who actually did make it through to the grand final of the Eurovision Song Contest last night, because I feel like that's a bit of an oversight from us that we've got this far in the podcast and not told you who has got through. I can gladly say that going through from the first semi-final, and this is the order that they were announced in, Norway, Israel, Russia, Azerbaijan, Malta, Lithuania, Cyprus, Sweden, Belgium, and Ukraine. Now, yes, let's do it. Let's review the semi-final. Mike and Dale from Aussie Vision joined us, and we had to ask them how they felt after Montaigne crashed out of the competition. Oh, well, look, it is it is very disappointing. Um, I do think we kind of were mentally prepared for it a little bit. Um, obviously, the live on tape, we kind of already knew we were behind the eight ball in competitiveness. Then we saw it a little bit and we were like, oh, actually, it's pretty good. We might have a chance. And then that hope was obviously dashed, particularly when we heard Belgium announced and in the ninth spot. And it was like that um, scene in The Simpsons when uh, Ralph gets his heart ripped out. It was pretty much the moment for us at that point that we knew we were gone. But look, it's fine. We're okay with it. Mike, I think I think as Dale put it there is is kind of bang on in terms of I can imagine it's been a bit of a roller coaster over the last few days because you were like, it's more likely than not we don't qualify. And then, as you said, you saw the the live on tape and you were like, this is really quite good, especially as well the way in which the live on tape was incorporated into the rest of the show. Yeah, very much so. Initially, once we knew we were going to be live on tape, probably expectations went down. 
you then get a glimpse of it and you think, oh, wow, maybe we're still a chance, so the hopes go back up. The roller coaster effect has been very much uh, the last week or so, and you can even see it with Montaigne. I think she started off last week a little bit, maybe a little bit down, and then, you know, she, she was up and down again. So I think the whole country's been on that ride with her. What do you think about it overall? You know, of course, Australia having to use that live on tape that we talk about. And I think I saw a tweet from Montaigne herself last night. And she, I think she was sort of, I don't want to say the phrase, but sort of resigned to her fate a little bit, wasn't she? You say afterwards, she was like, yep, I kind of knew it was going to happen as well. You know, she kind of had those feelings too, didn't she? I think they realise, obviously, there's an amazing uh, stage and LED and pyros to use live. And... For her, obviously, that wasn't the case. Um, you know, it was a pretty simple setup. It looked really good. But at the same time, you've got so much other things going on. And as soon as we heard uh, Technicolor, we went, oh, this is a song for staging. And I guess in the end, even though she sang it so well and it looked good, it just, I guess, lacked the wow factor compared to a lot of the other ones. They did the best job they could, but it couldn't meet the Ahoy Arena from a Sydney studio. What's the reaction been like from the Aussie Eurovision fans? Because, of course, we know there is a huge lot of you that would have been up early in the morning watching the first semi-final. We know, obviously, you guys have got a huge team as well, a, a great team at Aussie Vision. So have you managed to talk to, to anyone else about what happened and what, what are their thoughts? Yeah, look, I, I think a lot of people were kind of expecting it, always had it in the back of their mind. Look, there's a fair chance we're not going to qualify. So... Again, you kind of, once that announcement was made, particularly the Belgian one, we kind of knew our fate was done there. You just, you just went, oh, well, you know, that, that's the way it goes. It kind of victims of circumstance in a way. So there's always this little something to blame on it. It's not as if she blew it on the night or anything like that. So, um, yeah, I think people were just yeah, kind of prepared for it. And ultimately, it's still Eurovision. You know, even though we won't be in the grand final, we still get to enjoy the rest of the shows and vote on Saturday night. Yeah, absolutely. We had a chat with her on the podcast a couple of days ago as well. And she was talking about um, if she hadn't made it to Rotterdam, what she could have changed for the staging. Of course, you know, the live on tape, there wasn't a lot of time to prepare to do those. Whereas if she would have come to Rotterdam, do you think she would have brought, you know, this bigger show and really that would have actually, you know, played into her hands if she'd made it there? Oh, I think definitely. Like, I think um, LED would have worked really well for this. But we were actually talking about this earlier. Interestingly, you know, there wasn't a lot of movement from Montaigne in the live on tape, and that really helped her vocals. I mean, she has never sounded so amazing for because it's a really hard song to sing. You start adding in movement around that big stage, then maybe that could have impacted the vocals. You might have had a great show, but it may have impacted the vocals. So there's so much if and what and whenever, and it's one of those ones we probably will pour over for a while. But I think the main thing was that she nailed the vocals and I think that's the, like, if she'd missed it, that'd just be playing forever in her mind and our minds. Like, oh, what if she nailed it? It's like, did the best job, victims and circumstance. And if you're going to go out in one year, it's probably the year to go out when we're here in Australia and we can't travel and she couldn't go over. It's probably the year to miss out if it's going to happen.
just to wrap up this part of the conversation, of course, before tonight, Australia and Ukraine, the only two countries with a 100% semi-final qualification record, you've lost the record, but <laughs> but can you look at that positively? Can you look at that now as the pressure's off? Maybe we can experiment a bit more. We can be creative, you know, shackles off. Very much so. Even Montaigne mentioned, that, you know, the pressure of not being that first person, which unfortunately she's become the first person not to qualify. But we've seen in the past also other nations have either taken a break or, uh, you know, had a non-qualifier and come back really strongly. So it's probably a good opportunity for our delegation and SBS to just come back, have a look, regroup and just see exactly what road we want to go down. So certainly not a lost cause. And we've got Australia to size next year. And I think that's the right road because really this was an internal selection in a way. And I really like what we were doing with Australia to size, even though we chose Montaigne, of course. Um, I think when you look at something like Sweden and 2010, non-qualifier, changed it up a little bit, and then they went on to just have the most dominating decade of all time, other than Ireland in the 90s. I'm not saying we're going to do that. I mean, just one of, like one good year out of that would be great. But I feel like it's, sometimes it can be a blessing in disguise. As ever, lovely to have both Mike and Dale from Aussie Vision here on the Euro trip and great to get their thoughts about Montaigne not qualifying to the grand final. Of course, the first time in Australia's history, very short history, we should add, at the contest not qualifying to the grand final. But they do have high hopes for the future, which is always lovely to hear. Um, sorry, I'm just very distracted, James. Of course, we're recording at the same time. We've already mentioned as the dress rehearsal for the second semi-final. And on our screens at the moment, we've got possibly the most distracting artist of the entire thing. It's uh, Samantha Tina doing her best Samantha Tina impression on the stage as we speak. Backing dancers in visors. She's stomping about. I've got her on mute because obviously I'm talking to you. So I don't really know what's going on, but she seems to be having a nice time anyway. She does indeed. It's funny you mentioned her as a, what do you say, quite a distracting artist, or have I made that up? It sounded like you said that anyway. I did. I said I think she's probably the most distracting artist of 2021. (laughs) Well, how about you put that label on somebody from Semi One last night? What was one of those acts from last night that really stood out for you? An act that stood out for me is one that I think I was surprised to see qualify. Um, there were a couple that I was surprised to see qualified, but they deservedly got through last night. Um, Israel, I thought Eden Allen really elevated that song, if that makes sense. I think she brought everything she has to that song, and it was a brilliant performance. She hit the all-important notes at the end of the song, which I think is probably what clinched her place in the grand final. And Azerbaijan as well, actually. The end of Matahari is... Uh, yeah, talk about distracting. I mean, it really does grab your attention, doesn't it? The end of Matahari. It's uh, it's a really good performance by Effendi and, and the rest of the Azerbaijani delegation in the end. Really, really powerful staging and stage presence. That Another powerful one for me was Russia, Manesia with Russian woman. I mean, that was just impeccable. I, I mentioned this to you earlier on, didn't I, Rob? I said that was the moment for me that just really hit home to me that Eurovision was back it was the third song her energy was impeccable it just made the the hairs on my arm and the back of my neck stand up and it was just such a moving and powerful performance one thing that's interesting to see what happened after the final finished was the press conferences the halves that each country had been drawn into Malta they were fantastic last night as well before we before we get to the press conference draw James I mean destiny brought it didn't she 
Oh, didn't she just? I've seen most of her rehearsals, I think, um, thanks to being in the online press centre, and she's just stepped it up a notch every single time she's performed. But last night in the semi-final, when it all matters, when the TV audience are there watching your every move, she just pulled it off perfectly. And you've got to agree, she is a massive contender still for the win on Saturday night. She drew first half, of course, Destiny, after her press conference last night. And if you're a huge fan of the Maltese entry this year, you might think, oh, was that something to be concerned about? I mean, the stats say that no, it's not particularly. You can be, don't forget, in the first half and not perform until song 12 or 13, which I think is something like we will see on Saturday. Duncan Lawrence, he was in the first half of the final in 2019. Not that you'd know. And also, isn't it just time to put to bed that whole thing about you don't want to be in the first half? If you've got a good song, if you stand out from the crowd, it doesn't matter where you perform. You could perform minus one or 29th. Of course, those positions don't exist. That sort of helps my point. It doesn't matter. So long as people like your performance, so long as people like your song, they're going to pick up the phone and vote for you. So honestly, it doesn't matter where you perform. Other interesting draws last night. We saw Sweden there in the second half. Uh, Cyprus, Elena Sangrenu and El Diablo, she's in the first half. And Ukraine, however, I believe, James, I've lost my list, but I believe they drew second half. I could see Ukraine closing the show. Wouldn't that be a fantastic close to the show as well? The way that song just builds with that energy. It was just one of those performances that really grabbed the attention of the viewers, especially here in the UK, even a couple or two or three hours after the live show had finished, Ukraine was still trending on Twitter here in the UK, and it was all for the right reasons. People seemed to love them. You may remember, by the way, this is a tease about what's to come on the podcast. You may remember the big story about Ukraine last week was that they needed a stand-in for their second rehearsal. Uh, James, I understand that we've got a very special guest joining us in a couple of days' time. Yes, I can confirm. I have made contact. You've made contact. You can't confirm that it's happening, but you can confirm that you're trying. Well, I've made contact. Emmy, who is the standing singer, got back to me and said, yes, of course, we can chat on Friday. So she said yes, but she was also very busy, as you can well imagine, given she's involved in the Eurovision Song Contest. So, so long as she can find a suitable slot in her diary... She'll be on the Eurotrip by the end of the week. Which is very exciting because Emmy has not spoken to anybody else. So it would be amazing to uh, to hear her story of how she got the call in Taco Bell and how she ended up on the Eurovision stage with Ukraine. Uh, you've probably had about enough of our voices for the next little while. So, James, another conversation that you have had earlier on today. Yes, indeed, because most of us around the world will have been watching the Eurovision Song Contest last night from the comfort of our own sofas. However, every day this week during all the live shows and the jury shows, there are a lucky three and a half thousand people from the Netherlands who get to sit inside the arena for a live show. Imagine it, an actual live music event. Fantastic. And we've managed to track one of them down. Uh, Dr. Abby Weisdorf is a postdoctoral researcher who lives in the Netherlands. We spoke to her on the podcast about her studies a few weeks ago, in fact. And when I saw on Twitter that she was going to the Eurovision Song Contest, I thought, we've got to chat to her. So she was there on Monday for the jury shows themselves. But I started off the conversation itself by finding out what that experience was like trying to book tickets for the biggest music event in the world. 
it was very exciting and very kind of like, you know, sitting in front of the computer, but also had my tablet, also had my phone open, like, you know, which one would come in first, trying to monitor all of these things. And then my friend on his, on his computer, um, because it originally booked for, you know, for two day, for the Monday and, you know, for the, for the jury semifinal, then one of the live semifinals, we wanted both of them back. So he was monitoring one and I was monitoring the other. Um, and then just this exciting moment of, oh, wow, we actually got through. Um, we booked the tickets. It's done. We're going. It's happening. I know what that stress is like, and I'm sure many of our listeners do, of sitting up, getting up early, getting as many laptops and phones and tablets just to try and make sure you're at the front of the queue. Uh, but this wasn't very long ago, was it, that you actually managed to book the tickets? Because they opened the, 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 the process very, very close to the contest. Yeah, I think, you know, they weren't sure whether they were going to be able to do it. Um, so I think it was maybe a week Oh, we, I'm looking at my calendar now. It was, yeah, Saturday the 8th. So maybe just like kind of a, not quite a, a little bit over a week before um, the show was going to start, then we could go and buy the ticket. So it was very fast. And very, very exciting. So you were there for the first live show, the Monday jury show. So it was the first time that fans were actually inside of the Ahoy. We'll talk about what the show was like in a second, but I want you to take us on a bit of a journey about arriving at the Ahoy. Did you have to get a test? Could you go and buy some drinks and snacks? And what was that moment as well, getting to your seat for the first time? Well, so it's kind of, it starts earlier in the day because you do have to get your test, um, but they have testing centers for this specific thing um, for the, the field lab events um, set up all around the country. Um, so I met up with, the, with one of the friends I was going with. Um, we had to go to Marson, which is a suburb of Utrecht where we both live. Um, so we went to Marson, we got our tests there at noon. Then it was kind of a going back home, trying to do some work, trying to get some things done and then heading off to Rotterdam um, later to get into our, uh, our assigned time slot to come in because they staggered that. Um, so of course we were in the very earliest. So we could, we were supposed to get in around um, 6.30 to 6.45 and then spend a lot of time waiting in the venue, which actually went a lot faster than I than we anticipated. Um, but no, it, we, we got there and it's, it's fun to kind of get off of the, the metro station at Zoutplein um, in, in Rotterdam and just see everything decorated. Um, and kind of see that, you know, yeah, this is happening and other people are coming off and other, you know, this is this is actually ongoing. Absolutely. And it is fantastic, nonetheless, that some fans, three and a half thousand for each show, were able to attend the show. And it was fantastic to watch it on TV. But you were there on Monday for the mm-hmm. show. Tell us what it was like when it started, when we hear Te Deum, the Eurovision theme tune, and everyone's got their flags. That moment, did it just give you chills? Yeah, it really did. And it was really just, it was really just exciting to be there. And also, you know, it's kind of nerve wracking, just kind of being there with all these people and knowing that, okay, we can do this, but it's like, oh, wow, what's happening? This is actually going on. We're actually seeing it. We're actually, the stage is actually here. Um, yeah, it was amazing. And, and just, I think, you know, hearing the Tatum, but also then just hearing the first song, that was so, such a moment. Come on then, tell us about the, the songs that you heard. I'm sure you'll have, you would have seen some of the rehearsal clips online and stuff like that, so you knew what you were getting yourself in for. But being I, in the arena is something else, isn't it? Oh, it's something else. I knew I was getting into a bit. I try not to, I, I heard a little, you know, I, I try to keep up a little bit with what do people react to the staging, but I don't like actually watching the rehearsal clips until I'm watching it. Um, I don't know, everyone has their own way of dealing with all the information overload. But it is, 
watching it on TV and seeing other clips, it's very different than being in the arena. Um, it's a very different atmosphere because also so much of it is kind of designed for TV. So particularly if you're sitting towards the side, you don't always see everything. <laughs> um, you know, actually even like one of the big, one of the big screens that kind of has the, the artist projected on it, you can't see it from my angle. You just, we were trying to figure out all night what that screen, what the thing that kept coming down was. Oh, so, so this is sort of like the secondary LED screen. Is this on the walkway? Yeah. So you were behind that. So you couldn't actually see yeah. what was on the side of it. Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. No idea what was going on there. Um, so that was, a, that was an experience. Um, but it's still, you still kind of, you feel the energy and that's, that's really exciting. And kind of seeing them and seeing how it works is, is really fun. So what stood out for you on Monday night in the arena? You'll have seen all the performances on TV as well on Tuesday night for the live semi-final. But what performance has really stood out as a live performance for you in the arena? Ukraine. I mean, that was so, and both times, that was kind of exciting. They had a technical error, um, which you heard a bit, but they powered over it so well that it was kind of like, you know, you you barely noticed. So we got it, we got it twice and that, everyone was so into that. Like just the energy, the feeling of it, just the the way it builds is so powerful. And so like in the stadium, you really get the energy off of that. Um, and you really kind of get this feeling of, yeah, it's hard, it's hard to describe <laughs> in, in ways that sound good in a podcast. Um, <laughs> you can see I was doing some weird mo- hand motions. Yes, there. yeah. <laughs> but no, that was that was really fun and really exciting. And also, I mean, Lithuania, just as they opened, um, was just kind of this roar of something's happening and they, they feed the energy so much. They're such a great opening. They were such a great opening act for this. Now, I don't want to make any of our listeners even more jealous of the fact that you've been to one live show, but you're going to be going to a second because you're there for the live semi-final on Thursday as well. That's very, very exciting. It is very exciting. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, and that's going to be, yeah, it's, it's going to be different because, you know, with this one, you kind of, you know, it's the, the jury final, you know, you're going to see them again. Um, and so there's this level of also comparison, you know, it's, it's fun kind of seeing it in stage. And then I'm with a lot of the effect, you know, a lot of them, a lot of the staging, I'm like, well, I really wonder how that's going to go on TV because you see it very differently in the arena. Um, you know, and certain ones that come across really well on television, you don't see all of it. Um, at the arena. Um, uh, Cyprus is a great example. You saw the mirror come down, but you couldn't really see what was going on with it um, in the same way that you could when you're watching it on TV. Very exciting that you're going to go. I know you're very busy, but it would be great to chat again, maybe on Friday once that show is done, to see how that live show went as well, if you, if you happen yeah, to be love- free. I should be free towards the afternoon, um, so that would be great. Let's pop that in the diary now. Abby, thank you so much for joining us. I really, really appreciate your time and have a great time on Thursday. Thank you. Never won't be jealous of Abby and everybody that gets the opportunity to be in the Ahoy for actual Eurovision this year. It must be a brilliant experience to be there. We will, of course, be back with the podcast in just a sec. But now a quick message about the brilliant queer brewing project and Cloudwater Soda, who are helping us bring you today's episode. Cloudwater Soda is part of the Cloudwater Brew Co., and they provide a great alternative drink if you're looking for something alcohol-free. And what's more, I added this line to the script myself, their cans look very, very sexy. (laughs) 
They are indeed. I'll tell you which one is very sexy as well. The Mango Sour from Cloud Water Soda. I had that one last night. Very, very nice. But right now, Cloud Water Soda and the Queer Brewing Project are working together on a new soda collaboration. The end result being a delicious new drink called Blossom, and it'll be packed full of banana, orange, and with a hint of coriander seed. Now that collab will be ready soon, but in the meantime, why not check out their website, thequeerbrewingproject.com, or one word, and cloudwatersoda.co, and use the code EUROTRIP for 10% off queer brewing beers and merch, and Cloudwater Soda's range. I mean, it looks good for us if you buy something. I'll, I'll level with you, everybody. It looks good for us if you buy something. So please do head to those websites thequeerbrewingproject.com, cloudwatersoda.co. Use the code Eurotrip. You get 10% off. What's not to love? And that code is valid until July the 31st, 2021. We want to hear from you. Email us hello at eurotrippodcast.com. This is the Eurotrip almost live from Rotterdam. And yes, we would indeed love you to get in touch. You heard it there at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram or hello at eurotrippodcast.com. We'll be chatting to one of the artists in tomorrow's semi-final in just a second. I wanted to pick you up there because you almost said today. It's hard to keep track, isn't it, of what day it is at the moment? It really is. One podcast a day is very, very tiring. We're normally used to doing one, really, in a good week. And yet here we are, one episode a day. I've lost track of time entirely. But yes, do you want to pick up and just carry on and try and save me from this mess that I'm spiralling myself into? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, do you want to go and have a lie down? Yes, please. Uh, Vincent Bueno is who James was trying to tell you is on the podcast in a little while. He will, of course, be representing Austria at this year's Eurovision Song Contest. But first, it is time for another Eurovision memory. Over the course of the last few days and for the rest of the week, we will be hearing the memories of previous Eurovision artists who we have been lucky enough to speak to on the podcast. Today is a man who you will be seeing on your TV screens very, very soon. He's Andreas Mamantovas. If you don't know who that is, he was, of course, from LT United, who represented Lithuania, gave Lithuania their best result, in fact, at the Eurovision Song Contest in 2006. He'll be giving the points for Lithuania on Saturday. And this is a little clip from the interview I did with him at the back end of last year. A little insight for you. I did it in his garage. Fascinating to get a little peek into what Andreas had got in his garage. But here he is telling me how the song and that trip to Eurovision in Athens came about. I called my one of my friends, uh, the colleagues, and I said, you know, I have this idea for the song. Uh, it, it is just a very simple song. It says we are the winners of Eurovision because the year, uh, in the year 2005, uh, the winner was uh, Greece and, and the song was called uh, Number One or My Number One. And I thought, this is why they win because they, they call their song Number One. So if the way you call your song, this is how you will do it at the Eurovision. This is how you will succeed there. So I think if you want to win the Eurovision, you should sing the song of the winners. So I thought, well, I should write the song of the winners of Eurovision. And if we sing that song, we are the winner. We are the winners of Eurovision. We are, we are, we are, we are. 
and 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 I thought, thought this is uh, it, it would be fantastic, you know, if uh, if we we would you know even if we would take the last place, that would be even more ironic, you know. It 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 would. Uh, so I thought this is this is a very good uh, material, you know, to just to go there and have some fun. So uh, so I called my friends uh, because you know. To, to participate in such a foolish thing, you should has a you should have at least a sense of humor and sense of irony. So I I called the friends who would who could understand that, and they they all kind of accepted that, and they say, yeah, let's go. And what was the experience like? Because Eurovision is obviously an experience that you never forget. But what do you remember about the the rehearsals, the week? It must just be like a, a weird memory for you. You spend like we spend there uh, around. I guess we were we've been we were there around for around ten days. It's like you you are in a different world. You you wake you waking up in a hotel and you're getting ready and you go to the arena and you spend there most of your day because there are usually one or two rehearsals uh, every day and. Uh, all these people that are walking around and some of them look very important but you you don't know who they are <laughs> and 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 uh, it's it's all colorful it's all uh, there's lots of journalists everybody wants to talk to you like they they make you feel like you are a huge international star even if you're not so i i guess this is this is what what makes some of the performance want to come back to Eurovision. Some of there, there are many performances who would go next year. So because because they they make you feel like you are an international star if you are not. I don't know if I want to go against Eurovision, not because uh, I don't want to go, but because I don't want to ruin this first impression that we had, and it, it was brilliant. It was fantastic. You're listening, as you know by now, to Almost Live from Rotterdam, brought to you by us here at the Eurotrip. Hopefully, your favourite Eurovision podcast. If we are, drop us a tweet. Honestly, we're so desperate, aren't we? I feel like we say this every day now. Please let us know you're listening. <laughs> at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter, we're on Instagram as well, and you can send us an email, hello at eurotrippodcast.com. But almost as if we planned it, we are recording this while the dress rehearsal is going on at the moment for the second semi-final of Eurovision. And one of the men that we've just seen as part of the recap is Vincent Bueno from Austria. Now, Austria, of course, taking part in tomorrow night's semi-final. They are touch and go, I would say, as to whether they will make it through. But Vincent has hugely impressed the fans and the journalists alike ever since rehearsals started in the Ahoy about a week and a half ago. I don't know about you, James. Have you managed to catch one of Vincent's rehearsals? I have, actually. And you're right. He really has impressed because, for me, this was one of the songs that just wasn't really registering on my radar whatsoever as even a potential qualifier. But having seen the rehearsals, having seen what he's like on stage, I do think this is now borderline. This could be a 10th or 11th place in the semi-final tomorrow night. 
we could very well see Austria announced as one of the qualifiers for the grand final, I think. A lot depends on the jury final as well that will be taking place tonight. I think it's a, it's going to be a big jury favourite and whether it can get enough televote points, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, thankfully, Vincent doesn't have to put up with uh, me and James hypothesising about whether he's going to get through or not because we've already done the interview. Uh, it was brilliant to catch up with him in Austria, actually, in Vienna, just before he made the trip to the Ahoy. And I started by asking him how the nerves were at this point in his Eurovision journey. It's always the same. Yeah, the preparation is always is is always kind of linked with a little bit of anxiety. You know, um, it's the same when 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 you know boxers go and uh, um, um, prepare for a fight. I think it's the same with uh, with with us singers because this is not just a normal gig. It's it's a contest, and uh, you know. No one wants to be last, you know, so but that's going to happen somehow uh, with anyone. And um, I just I just feel like everyone has this tension. But at the same time, I think we shouldn't forget no one of all these artists, beautiful artists should forget that this is a beautiful historical ride that, you know, it's very special. Especially as well, representing a country like Austria, you know, you have got such a fascinating history with the contest and especially you know, in the last decade, having won it, does that add a different level of pressure for you? I'm a different artist. Uh, it's the, it's a different, it's a it's a different time. And at the same time, I know you know, um, pressure is up. Uh, it's just I'm just gonna do my very very best, and that's that's all we we have to focus on. You know, to just be really focused and not to look to the left and to the right. You just run your own race. Now, your song for 2021, of course, is, you know, Amen. Very, very different to your song in 2020. Was that a, a deliberate change for you? You know, did you want to send something very, very different this year than what was planned the year before? I think I think we, we hadn't had a plan at all. I think the most, uh, the, the most honest uh, answer I can give you is that it just, it just so happened that even from my from my library of songs that I have, I mean, you know, we always write, we always produce. So all of the songs that I submitted weren't quite the vibe that we were searching for for this year. And I have to admit, it was, I would have loved to, to get one of my songs, but then Amen came about and it was sent to us. And I, at the first I was like, sheesh, this, this is such a, such a dramatic song but then as i listened to it even more i was like no i think this song has to be the vibe because because it's even it's even such a how is how you say it? it's such a such an awesome op opportunity to really think about people that lost other people you know what i mean and i think it just gives people more the chance to um to relate to something they can they could relate to especially for the last few years. And at first, we didn't want to have any song that relates to Corona. And it's actually not a song about that. But you can, of course, relate to it because it's about separation. It's about grief. It's about a loss and acceptance and letting go. So I was like, OK, sort of, OK, not not my message, but the message that needs to be heard. So, yeah. And I love the song. It's written by by uh, a, a group of people, super talented, unified songs. Pele Loriano, uh, Ashley Hicklin, uh, Jonas Stander, Nikolai Tribolek, and um, Tobias Karshi. Man, I know them for uh, names already, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I learned the names, but these, these, these guys are super cool. 
I was chatting to uh, Chusa from Sweden a couple of weeks ago, and I said to him that his song, Voices, of course, stands out this year because there are a lot of up-tempo songs this year. There's a lot of kind of 80s-sounding vibes, which, of course, is very current in the music industry right now. Do you think that gives you a good chance that your song isn't one of those and it is a, it's a very powerful ballad? And as you've said there, it, it will stand out. Honestly, I... I don't even go there with my mind. I don't. I don't even go. Uh, what could be, what should be, or or so. I just. I just really, really want to focus on the emotion that I want to uh, contaminate the people with, which is, first of all, empathy for everything that has been happening uh, um, in in the world, and you know everything else. It's just there is never a golden rule. It's Eurovision, you know. It has its own spirit. It has its own timing and 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 stuff but at the end of the day it's all the best that we can do My final question is just what would you like to say to the people listening to this who can, of course, pick up the phone, they can vote for you in the app, they can vote for you in the semi-final to get you through to the grand final. What would you like to say to them? Well, uh, all of the people that are listening right now, thank you so, so much for your time and for your energy and that you, um, yeah, that you support me. I really, really appreciate you and... Um, thank you for all of the all of the love and every single like, uh, comment or um, you know reaction. You know we live off of your guys' energy actually. And um, thank you for the votes and uh, for believing in me and my music and um, for this whole for this whole journey. I'm just super grateful for you guys. Thank you so much. A huge thanks to Vincent for joining us on the Eurotrip podcast. We will have another of the artists taking part in that second semi-final as part of our Semi 2 preview podcast with you when you wake up tomorrow morning. And uh, Vincent Bueno, song number five in the semi-final tomorrow. He is coming after Stefania and Greece and before oh, that man, that whatever that is, <laughs> Rafael and Poland with the ride. Now, I tell you what, I can't believe how busy the news about Eurovision has been over the last 24 hours or so, that we've got to the end of the podcast and we've not mentioned the two words flow and rider because the man is in Rotterdam and I've just seen him doing his rehearsal alongside Senate for San Marino. I think we all knew it was going to happen anyway. But he's there. He's going to be on your TV screens tomorrow night. Just shows how bonkers this week is, doesn't it? The fact that Flo Rida performing at Eurovision is, is, I don't know, not at the top of the news agenda. That's just how much is going on at the moment. But we will talk so much more about Flo Rida at Eurovision, which is a sentence I didn't think we'd be saying, on our semi-final two preview podcast, which will be out. As I've already said a couple of times, when you wake up tomorrow, special guests joining us. Special guests, I think, you're going to want to hear from. Yeah, for sure. We always love to bring you conversation from some wonderful guests who love the Eurovision Song Contest just as much as I do, as Rob does, and you listening at home. So make sure you are ready 
as Rob says, in the morning when you wake up for a brand new episode of the Eurotrip, almost live from Rotterdam, previewing everything about semi-final number two. But for today, as I am becoming increasingly more tired, I think, are we done, Rob? I think we are done for today. Go and have yourself a biscuit. Go and have a lie down. Get yourself ready, because we are but halfway through. We, of course, have promised to be with you every single day between now and the grand final, and that is a promise that I intend on keeping. We have also got something very special planned for Saturday morning for our sins. I don't know why I've said that we will do this as well. Uh, Not going to quite say what it is yet. Maybe we'll tell you on tomorrow's episode. Uh, But yeah... When you wake up on Saturday morning, maybe you can join me and James. Get your Eurovision day started in the best way possible. Or the most mediocre way possible, depending on how tired we are by that point. <laughs> yes, so please keep your eyes peeled for that. But I'm just going to wrap it up because I'm done. I need my rest. So until we are back with you tomorrow morning for our semi-final two preview, don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review and rate us five stars. But from me, James, for the... Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, fourth time this week, it's goodbye. And from me, Rob, it's goodbye. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.